Welcome to New Life Church. You can be seated. Welcome those of you online. I'm Brandon Bailey. I'm an elder here at New Life Church, and I'm thankful to be able to preach and share the word with you today. As you know, if you've been tuning in at all, we have been on a series talking about the parables of Jesus and, and, and getting into those. Today is actually the fifth installment of that series. Hopefully none of you are getting tired of hearing about the parables of Christ. If so, let's talk afterwards. <laughs> so today we're actually going to be looking at the parable of the two builders or the two foundations uh, found in Luke chapter 6. So if you want to get that ready on your Bibles or your Bible apps, feel free to do that. We will have that on the screen for you <clears throat> when we dive into that. But Luke chapter 6 will be our main text. And by the way, if you did not catch last week's message by Pastor Jeremy on being ready and waiting for the Lord's return, you got to catch it. I, I, I listened to it last Sunday, and then I listened to it again in preparation for today. Uh, it's a really good word, and, and it really ties in well with where we're going today. So please go back and check that out on our website, newlifechurchofjackson.org. And you can find the previous sermons in there and listen to that from last Sunday. So let's set this up. Luke chapter 6, Jesus is speaking to his disciples and to a large group of people who have gathered to be healed and to, and to hear his teaching. He was famous for how he boldly proclaimed the truth of God's kingdom. And so, so no wonder... A crowd would gather to hear him preach. And in Luke chapter 6, verse 46 to 49, he shares this parable, which is one, one of my favorite parables. Maybe it reminds me of Vacation Bible School because we used to sing a song about the wise man who built his house upon a rock. So it takes me back. So let's, let's hear these words of Christ today. <clears throat> Jesus is talking and he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and acts on them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. And when a flood occurred, the torrent burst against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who has heard and has not acted accordingly <clears throat> is like a man who built the house on the ground without any foundation and the torrent burst against it and immediately it collapsed and the ruin of that house was great. Now, I'm no builder, but I know enough to know that the foundation of a place is pretty important. Evidently, Italian architects in 1173 weren't completely decided upon what made a good foundation yet. And they set out to build this grand cathedral complex that they call the Field of Miracles. 
one of the projects in this complex was this massive, beautiful bell tower. They began building this tower, and for the first five years of construction, everything was well. It was going good. The first two stories of limestone and marble went up without a hitch, but by the time they got to the third story and got that in full swing, the tower started to shift. The project was actually abandoned several different times because of wars and other things going on in the country, and the tower continued to just gradually sink on that one side. A hundred years later, that's a long time, a hundred years later, an architect picked that project back up and he decided, I'm going to correct this lean by making one side of each story a little bit higher than the next side. So picture that, it's leaning, I'm going to just do this. (laughs) That was his idea. That'll fix it. Didn't work. Unfortunately, it actually just made it worse. And the lean started to go further and further as they struggled to figure out what do we do. But it didn't stop them. The lean didn't stop them. Eventually, they got all seven stories added to that tower, lean and all. And then they added a bell tower, the bell part on top. Eventually, that lean became the trademark of this tower, which eventually became known as the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Right? At its worst, the tower had a lean of over 16 feet. Yeah. Of course, it turns out the problem with the tower actually was the foundation. It had been built on a layer of clay, sand, and, and shell. And that foundation just wasn't strong enough to hold the weight of all the construction on top. Eventually, the tower was reinforced in the 90s at a cost of 30 million euros. Foundation work is costly. Now, just like in a building where everything depends on the strength of the foundation, everything in our lives depends on the foundation that we build upon. So to find out what your foundation is, there's a few questions that we could ask. Certainly isn't an exhaustive list, but we could ask, what do I really believe? What are my guiding principles? What are my top values? Who or what do I worship? And yeah, we're all worshiping something. What comes first in my life? What do I depend on in difficult times? And you know, I wasn't going to leave this part out, but I just feel like this is important. I've, as I've thought about buildings and construction, this whole theme of this message, I've thought about the change in construction over the years. I mean, think about it. Thousands of years ago, ancient civilizations built these massive structures, the pyramids, temples in Mexico, the, the Roman, you know, granite coliseums and etc. And these great feats of architecture with very simple tools and no machinery that we have today. And yet they're still standing thousands of years later. They put time and effort, blood, sweat, and tears into these things, and they've stood the test of time. 
at some point in modern days, probably I'm going to guess the 1900s, we traded in that type of building for construction that was quick and cheap and easier, right? We could put up a house in no time. Now that's, hey, I'm not complaining. We've, we've, that's helped a lot of problems about housing, etc. But we don't build to last anymore. So construction has really changed. And I, and I can't help but wonder, is that also the shift of modern day Christianity, of modern day faith? It's really tempting to put up a faith that's quick and easy, when in reality, discipleship is hard, and it takes time, and it's costly. There's sacrifice involved. There's study involved. There's endurance that's involved, right? So what are we building on is our question today. So before we get more into foundations, and that's really the topic today, There's one other issue that's raised in this parable that I think is important to note, and that's the issue of the storms that we face in life. Each of the houses in this parable were hit by by a flood and a torrent. And I had to look that up. What's a torrent? I don't really use that word every day. It turns out it's a violent stream. So basically what we're seeing here is two houses close to the water, and the stream, there's a flood, and the, there's a rushing waves and rushing stream coming by, hitting those houses. That's the picture here. For all of us, there will be times of testing in life. We will face opposition, adversity, and temptation. And sometimes we may take that as a sign that, well, maybe I'm going the wrong way. Maybe I'm... Maybe I didn't hear from the Lord about this venture or about this ministry or about reaching out to this person because this sure isn't going well. And that can cause a lot of discouragement. So I want to encourage you today, that's not, that's not always the case. I mean, think about it. In this parable, both houses, the, good, the house on a good foundation, the house on a poor foundation, they were both hit by some storms, right? And, and such is life, unfortunately, It's like what Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 33. He said, in this world you will have trouble. I I didn't hear a lot of amens on that one. That's not a scripture that we, or a promise that we claim very often, right? You won't see it as a Christian bumper sticker or a Christian t-shirt. Anybody got one? Or, Or a tattoo. John 16, 33, baby. You won't hear that claimed very often, right? But let me tell you the whole story, okay? Because there actually is really good news. I just gave you one part of that scripture where Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. He actually sandwiched that hard saying in with some really good news. And here's what he said. I have told you these things so that in me, that's in Jesus, you may have peace. Then here it comes. In this world you will have trouble. But, take heart, I have overcome the world. In other words, take heart, build on my foundation, and you'll make it. You will get through this dark time. 
You will get through this uncertainty in life right now. You can withstand the unknowns, the temptation, the stress, the discouragement, the depression, the the challenges that are coming against you right now. Amen? When we build on the right foundation, trials and tests, they have a whole new meaning. Romans chapter 5. Paul's writing, he says, Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. And let me tell you, Paul was no stranger to sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Or some translations say, hope does not disappoint. It's okay to hope today. God, fill us up with hope again. Amen? So during trying times, we have both challenge and opportunity. And we learn what we're really made of. What is our foundation really on? What do I really believe? And tough times can push us to rely more on God. Now, he doesn't promise that going through those storms is going to be easy. But in the parable, the house that's built on him is the one that stands. I want to stand. So how do we ensure our lives are on a firm foundation? Well, thankfully, Jesus didn't leave this as some big mystery. He didn't say, hey, go figure it out. Good luck. He actually, he actually gave a very simple three-step process in this parable that we're going to talk about today. And I'm calling this our blueprint for wise building. Maybe that could be the title of the message. I was trying to figure that out this morning. There you go. Our blueprint for wise building. In verse 47 of that parable of Luke 6, Jesus describes the ones building on the rock as everyone who comes to me hears my words and acts on them. This is the house that will stand in times of adversity. And it's the only foundation that will stand righteous before God when life is all said and done. Go Again, go back to last week, Pastor Jeremy's message. That was good. <clears throat> so today, as we explore this blueprint, um, my idea to help us grasp it, to help us look at it in a, in a fun way, is to actually go to the Old Testament. And we're going to look at two uh, characters, two famous kings from the Old Testament. Uh, king Saul, uh, the first king of Israel, and his successor, King David, and we're going we're gonna to hold these two characters up to this blueprint for wise building, the three steps, and see how they did. And, and one of these guys is going to come out the victor. We'll see if you can figure out. You guys keep score. We'll see if we can figure out which king was the wise builder and which one was the foolish builder, okay? I'm not going to give you any hints. You've got to figure it out, okay? Are you with me? There, there will be a prize at the end for the correct answer. It's called bragging rights. Okay. 
All right, so step number one. It all starts here. Jesus said, the one who is on a strong foundation is the one who comes to me. Step number one. It all starts here. As Pastor Jeremy shared in the first message, I'm going to reference that message a lot today, I guess. As he shared in, the fir- in actually the first message of the series, Saul actually hid in the baggage on the day that he was to be anointed king. So there's a mark against him already. He, he didn't do so great the very first day of being anointed king, of coming to God and accepting his calling. He actually hid in the baggage. He was trying, at the last minute, he was trying to avoid it. Now, I've had times when I've wanted to hide in the baggage and avoid something, and we probably all have. But unfortunately, Saul had a habit of this kind of thing, of not readily approaching God, of not readily turning to Him. In, in the 42 years that he was king, when he did listen to God, things went well for him, and he had success. But when he didn't, things quickly went downhill. And he had a bad habit of taking matters into his own hands and doing things his own way. Because of this, King Saul represents the arm of the flesh or our efforts to do life on our own terms. David, on the other hand, showed a different pattern in his life. He made a habit of pursuing God. Not just to seek direction and advice and answers to prayer. Well, he did all those. But also just to seek his presence. David was a man after God's own heart. God said that about him. That's awesome. A man after God's own heart. He pursued God. He made a habit of coming to him. He was a worshiper. And he represents the life that is lived by the Spirit. From David's life, we're reminded that coming to Christ is not a one-time event. It's not not something that we, we do once and then we go about our business and we're good. It really is a posture of our hearts. We continually return to Jesus day in and day out. The more we return in prayer, in worship, in fasting, in His Word, the more it keeps our hearts pure and on a firm foundation. Because see, Saul had times when he was on a good foundation and he listened to the Lord, but then he also had times where he drifted away and ultimately that was the direction he went. So to keep us from that, time coming to Him is vital. Now, if you're listening today and you haven't accepted Christ as your Savior, this is your first step. It all starts here. If you're listening and you've been a Christian for a hundred years, this is still your step, right? It It doesn't stop. We continually return to the Lord and come to Him for connection. And Jesus said in Matthew 11, verse 28, 
Come to me. All, that's everyone. That's open to everyone. Everyone listening today, online, anyone who catch this message later on. He's not a respecter of persons. It, regardless of your past, he has a future for you. He says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. That means you're burdened. And I will give you rest. I don't know about you, but at our house, we've had a lot of weary times the past, what has it been, six months or so since March when all this COVID-19 stuff started going on? A lot of us are weary. But what's Jesus saying? I'll give you rest. That means in the moment, on the day-to-day, on the fly, when you're heading to work, when you're having to wear a mask all day and it's hot, I will give you rest. So step one, come to Jesus. All right, step two, in the blueprint for wise building, he said, everyone, there's everyone again, everyone who comes to me and hears my words. So step two is to hear his words. Let's check back in with Saul, see how he's doing. Saul had every opportunity to hear from the Lord. He had the prophet Samuel who would hear directly from God and go and tell Saul what to do next. Big decisions about the kingdom, about battles, etc. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm kind of jealous because that would be, to me, I think that would be pretty sweet to have, my, have a prophet who would tell me directly, what God wanted me to do. Now, maybe I would end up being like Saul. I better not be too boastful about that, right? Because we do, hey, we do have the Word of God to tell us what to do. But here is Saul with this prophet telling him, giving him direction. But when he got out into the heat of the moment, he, he always kind of had this way of deviating from that plan and going a different direction. Just revising things a bit, and doing things his way. And then guess what? It didn't turn out so great. He also had a bad habit of listening to the people over listening to what God had said. And he loved the praises of the people. In 1 Samuel 15, 24, Saul actually admitted to this after arguing with Samuel about his disobedience to God. And Saul said, I have sinned. I have indeed transgressed the command of the Lord and your words because I feared the people and listened to their voice. We can learn from Saul that hearing from the Lord is is not enough, but hearing has to be joined with a willing heart. And that's what Saul was lacking. He didn't make it a habit of pursuing God. And this negligence of not being in God's presence really made him vulnerable to to listening to the wrong 
voices the wrong direction when it came down to it. Today, there are so many voices vying for our attention. I mean, social media, especially these days, is blowing up with people's opinions about hot topics, about silly topics, anything, anything and everything. We have more of a platform today to broadcast our opinions than ever. And in a lot of ways, that's, that's a good thing. But it, I believe it can make it challenging if we're not listening to the right voices. Those voices may even be your closest friends, your family, who may not be encouraging you to go the direction that God has put on your heart. In times like that, it's, it's a slow drift where we gradually start listening to the world and its ways and its philosophies over what the Word says. And we've got to be careful of that slow, shifting sand, that direction. But how would life be different if we all, if we all ran to God before going to our social media? What if we spent time in prayer and His Word and devotional time, quiet time with God, before turning on the news. Before we have to hear what the world has to say, we hear, what does God have to say? Amen? We would hear from heaven. And we would have a stronger foundation. David lived this way. He really did. He sought after God's presence, and we have 75 psalms that he wrote to prove it. They're his prayers, they're his praises, they're his cries for help. David rested in the Lord, he sought his voice, and because of this, he lived happy and content and satisfied. As we read in Psalm 23... He wrote these words, which I think is a result of the overflow of the life he was living at rest in the Lord. And he said, the Lord is my shepherd. Such trust. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Wow. We need some of that right now. Amen. This is the result of the overflow of hearing from God and resting in his words. So that step again, step number two, is hear his words. Take time today to figure out what's going to be different this week in my routine. 
where, where can I take time to rest in his word? And then see, just as an experiment, see how your week goes. See what's different. And I'm not talking about see how it goes on the outside. <laughs> but see how it goes on the inside. See, see how you stand against the waves that are crashing against your house. Taste and see that the Lord is good. All right, step number three in wise building, in the blueprint for wise building, is to act on his words. So we've got to, to get to this point, we have to come to Jesus. We have to approach the Lord. And we have to hear from him. We've got to to want to hear what he has to say. But then we can't stop there, right? In fact, the difference in the two foundations in the parable is this point. If you go back and look at that, he says, on the foundation that doesn't stand, that's the shifting sand, He says, he hears my words, but doesn't act on them. So the the big turning point is this step. So if if you're at home and you're about to get up and go get a drink from the refrigerator, hold on just a bit. You've got to catch this third step. Act on his words. It's ultimately obedience that makes the difference between keeping life on a firm footing or on shifting sand. Saul carried out his own version of the Lord's commands. And when the Lord told him to destroy everything that belonged to the Amalekites, an enemy nation, Saul decided to take the king prisoner, to save the best sheep and cattle, as he said, for a sacrifice to the Lord. Now, I'm, I'm kind of skeptical It kind of sounds like an excuse that he gave to Samuel after he was confronted by the prophet. And he said, well, I kept these as a sacrifice for the Lord. I'm I'm sorry, Saul, I'm not so sure that's what you were intending to do. Either way, he obviously believed that his way was an improvement on the direction that God gave him. So he did not act accordingly. And here's what the prophet Samuel said had to say in response in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22. Samuel asked Saul, he says, Has the Lord as much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. And to take heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of divination or witchcraft. And insubordination is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. Saul lost the favor of the Lord because of continued disobedience. Now, obedience is always sacrifice. But sacrifice 
is not always obedience. Obedience is a matter of the heart, which is why having a habit of coming to the Lord and hearing from Him leads to obedience. Jesus said in John 14, 15, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. He didn't say, If you keep my commandments, you will then love me. Because that would be more of robotics, right? What he is saying is, Obedience comes from the overflow of a heart that loves God. It's the overflow of the heart that loves God. I don't know about you guys, but I've had times in my life and ongoing where there are things where I find it difficult to be obedient in what the Lord says to do. God says, hey, go, go talk to this person. There's something in my heart that just doesn't want to do that. I want to go my own way. I want to be kind of stay with my routine. We all, I'm sure we all have that in us. But the overflow, the obedience comes from that overflow of loving God. When, when obedience is hard, you need to reconnect. You need to come to the Lord and connect. You need to hear His words and then act accordingly. David had quite the different response than Saul. He was anointed as the next king of Israel when he was just a teenager. It was then that he faced Goliath, killed the giant that everyone else was afraid of, including Saul. It was then that he served Saul in his household. He was then banished by Saul. He hid in the desert, he lived on the run. He feared for his life as Saul and his men for quite some time were, were after him. And eventually he was forced out of the nation that he would be king of. And he fought so many battles. He waited around 15 years from being called to be king to actually taking that throne. That's a long time to wait. But this time was a time of preparation where the Lord was preparing a good foundation in his heart. A foundation that was humble, a heart that, was, that would come to him in times of trouble and in good times as well. A heart that would hear from the Lord and be desperate to hear from the Lord. We, we read in the Psalms where David is crying out to God day and night to hear from him. That's the hunger that God wants in you and in me. That's the hunger that will put us and keep us on firm foundation. David was tested a lot so that God could prepare him to be the leader that we read about today. It worked. David goes down in history as the greatest king of Israel. In fact, it even says 
that his kingdom would be eternal because Jesus is in his lineage. Jesus came from that line of David. Awesome. So these blueprints for wise building, they worked in David's life, and they'll work in ours as well. If you haven't guessed it by now, David was our wise builder. Saul was the foolish builder. In preparation for this message, the the studies, the prayer, it forced me to do a lot of self-examination. That's only fair. If I'm talking about foundations and being on the right foundation, God, examine me. Help me. If there's anything in me that's not on the right foundation, not on the right footing, help me to see it. Work it out of me and work the right end. Amen? And I hope that it encourages you today to do some self-examination as well. But I also hope that it encourages you to know that no matter where your life is today, that Jesus is real, that he loves you, and that he wants to be your rock. He wants to be your foundation, no matter what you're facing. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? That's a good foundation.